Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Why is this a global competition to you if everyday Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day? Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Don't ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind you, please. Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? I'm telling you. I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question like that. That's not a nasty question. Please go ahead. President Trump telling an Asian-American reporter to ask China that question just seconds before abruptly ending his press conference. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson in for David Challing, and this is The Daily DC. President Trump has continued to up the ante on his rhetoric with China, increasingly blaming the country for the virus and also attempting to shift attention away from his administration's chaotic response. The tactic has soured the already tense relationship between the two countries, raising fears of a virus-fueled second Cold War. And to break this down, we're going to have uh, Kylie Atwood join us. She's the national security correspondent, and that'll happen in a few minutes. But first, I'm going to bring in Kristen Holmes, who covers all things White House for us. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Kristen, we heard a bit what President Trump said to CBS reporter uh, Weijia Zhang there. Uh, but walk our listeners through what was happening at that press conference. Yeah, so I'm going to actually start before the press conference because I think it paints a bigger picture. You know, it was clear from the beginning on Monday morning that the tone had shifted at the White House. Uh, Remember, this is the first time everyone's coming back since two staffers who are close to the president, close to the vice president, tested positive. And just before the press conference, this memo goes out. And I start getting calls from these White House staffers basically saying they've changed the policy. They want everyone going into the West Wing to now wear a face covering. And they've even gone a step farther saying that they'll provide you with a face covering if you need one. Uh, Then we have this press conference. And it's a stark difference from what you're seeing on the White House grounds because it is clear right away that this is going to be some sort of victory lap, right? You see the big American flags in the background, and then there's these banners that say America leads the world in testing. Uh, And so it's a backdrop for some kind of excited announcement. And that's exactly what President Trump sets out to do. You know, he gets up there, he has a celebratory tone. He says that we have prevailed, which raises a lot of questions. Then he later clarifies and says, he's just talking about testing. They prevailed in testing. And he once again says that anybody who needs a test can get a test. Again, a stark contrast from what you're actually seeing on White House grounds, the celebratory tone, and then everyone in the wings is all wearing a mask. And then it begins to deteriorate, which it often does in these press conferences when it comes to the Q&A. And that leads us to the point that you just mentioned, which was this reporter asking a question saying, essentially, you know, why is it a global competition on testing when people are dying? And he says, ask China. 
This turns into a back and forth between them. Our own Caitlin Collins is supposed to go next. She seeds her question back to the reporter, which is completely common. You know, often you give your colleagues chance to follow up with the president. And then the president shuts down and essentially storms off, ends the press conference, and it's there. And as you said, I mean, part of the point of this was for the president to have a kind of a victory lap, mission accomplished moment, particularly on testing. He said again, as he has said uh, all along, uh, that anyone who wants a test can have a test. uh, But that's not exactly true. Also not true uh, that America leads the world in testing. Right. That's right. So none of these things are true. And I actually was with President Trump at the CDC in March 7th when he very first said anyone who needs a test can get a test, which we obviously know was not true. There is a larger issue here. I do want to give some credit to the idea that testing in the U.S. has ramped up. It was about 150,000 tests a day. Now it's going to 300,000. But that is incredibly far behind what President Trump himself wanted, which was a couple weeks ago or last week, he said he wanted it to be 5 million daily. Exactly. So that's nowhere near where we need to be. But there's also a bigger issue of, are we where we need to be for the country to reopen? Because we're not just looking at, okay, I am you know, this person who might have been exposed. Can I get a test and hear back in four days? Okay, sure. That seems to be true, that people can go out and get those tests. That is not the rapid mass testing that we're talking about in order to reopen the economy. You're talking about people who are trying to figure out how to exist, how to have their employees come to work in a new environment. And they don't have the access to the testing that the president has. You know, they don't have this rapid testing. It doesn't exist in mass capacity. Right. And in many cases, these states aren't even where the White House's own guidelines said they needed to be to actually begin any kind of reopening. So a lot of mixed messages coming out of this White House, and some of them obviously not at all true. We saw from the president this morning a real uh, tweet storm from him. Uh, And of course, we saw him abruptly in that press conference. What are you hearing about the president's mood right now? We've been hearing the same thing from sources close to the president for the last several weeks, and this is no different. It's just a different narrative in terms of what he's trying to get away from. And what I mean by that is, you know, Every week there is a new storyline about the response, and it's generally not a positive one. And this weekend we saw the exact same thing. The narrative coming out is that two people at the White House have tested positive, two people close to the president, vice president, at a time when they're trying to reopen the economy and assure the American people that everyone is safe. Then you see President Trump all day on Sunday retweeting, I mean, almost a hundred times, and he's not even talking about anything uh, relating really to coronavirus. Most of it was this conspiracy stuff going to what we're seeing today. I mean, the narrative is clearly President Trump is storming out, he's unhappy, he can't answer questions. And then we see what he he does, which is what he always does, which is try to shift the storyline to something else. And this is what he's been doing you know, all day today and this morning. It's all about Michael Flynn. It's about Obama. It's about uh, all of the things that have you know gone wrong for him and all the people who are out to get him, this deep state mentality. But there's something else going on here too, and in, in all of this, is that 
the narrative isn't just about yesterday's press conference. It's also about what's happening right now, which is that Dr. Fauci is testifying in front of the Senate. And there were a lot of questions as to what Fauci was going to say. And there's a lot of questions from the president himself. They do not know. Fauci has been completely outspoken and he's been completely honest. Uh, and so this is another part of that, that you try to shift the narrative away from what everyone's talking about, particularly away from the coronavirus response, and this is how he's aiming to do that. Uh, but we're at a point where this is really uh, overwhelming the entire country. People are dying, 80,000 people uh, so far, and that number, unfortunately, is likely to grow. Uh, and we'll see, obviously, what happens in the fall when we'll have the flu as well as, as this coronavirus. And just before you go, I want you to talk about Vice President Pence. Reports that he is keeping his distance uh, from the president. How worried are they inside the White House about this virus spreading? They're very worried, Nia. I mean, this is a huge issue. You have to remember, first of all, no one was wearing masks. So this is a point where everyone's around each other. They continually say to one another, well, we've been tested, we're fine. Well, clearly that theory doesn't work when someone is testing negative, as Vice President Pence's press secretary did on a Thursday, and then Friday is testing positive. She came into contact with not only dozens of members of staff in their, that time, uh, but also even journalists, you know, who were trying to wear masks, were trying to uh, stay, kind of keep their distance. So there's a lot of concern here as to what exactly is going on. And it's really kind of trickling throughout all levels of the government. Of course, there's the issue of safety, right? You want to keep the primaries safe, which would make sense to keep Pence and the president away from one another, particularly as we've seen both of them having close aides uh, contract the virus. But there's also an issue on the lower levels as well. People are scared to go to the work at the White House right now. They are fearful of getting this virus, and they're not sure that they're getting the protection that they need. Remember, when you're looking at your boss and he's not wearing a mask, that doesn't encourage you to wear a mask. There's a fear there among staffers that there was not a lot of control over this, not a lot of protection for them until now. I mean, look how far we are into this. And they're telling people at the White House where the leader of the United States of America is just now to wear masks. So there's some fear there uh, that people aren't being protected or haven't been and that they could still contract this virus. Very, very interesting. Kristen, always great to talk to you. Thanks for your wonderful coverage and reporting on the White House. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Nia. We'll get to Kylie Atwood, our national security correspondent, in a few minutes to talk about the escalating tensions between the states and China. But first, a quick break. Now to break down more on the president's focus on China, we've got Kylie Atwood. Kylie, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, so I want to take I want to get you to listen to how President Trump uh, has escalated his rhetoric against China. Take a listen to this. I'm not happy with China. They should have stopped this at the source. We acted extremely early in keeping China out of our country and banning people from China coming in. Does anybody really believe that we have more cases than China? It came out of China, okay? Whether people like to say it or not, everybody knows that. This is part of an increasing war of wars from both sides of the Pacific. Uh, and, and so, Kylie, how have U.S.-China relations actually deteriorated because of this pandemic? Well, when you look at 
what's coming out from President Trump. And he's really the one that matters here because he's the one that determines what the actual foreign policy looks like, right? When you look at his words, those recent criticisms of China, they are indeed a stark contrast to what we heard from the president for the first few months of this year. He praised uh, President Xi. He said he did a good job and handled uh, this pandemic well at the beginning. So we have seen a very... Uh, very noticeable change in his rhetoric. But I think it's also important to note the backdrop here uh, for you know the Trump administration in general, because they have been a tough on China administration, um, arguably from day one. It's something that uh, Trump campaigned on when he was on the campaign trail. You'll remember that. It's something that they built into uh, their national security strategy. But it has really escalated in these recent weeks as President Trump has really taken this initiative on his own um, to go tough on China. But the question is really going to be, you know, what does that mean? At this point, this is rhetoric from the president, but we have heard uh, plenty of conversations from administration officials about actually uh, putting their putting their money where their mouth is, essentially, and trying to come up some for, with some ways for China to pay the price. So that's the thing that we are really going to be keeping an eye on. What would some sort of compensatory damages look like? Would that even be possible? And this trade deal that the president likes to tout and is probably one of the reasons he was going easy on China initially mm -hmm. when, the, when the pandemic started uh, to, to break out, is that actually in jeopardy? It's what, about $250 billion of China agreeing to, to buy uh, agricultural goods? Yeah, so at this point, it doesn't look like phase one of this U.S.-China deal is really in jeopardy. They've already uh, largely agreed to that. And Trump was actually asked at the White House just yesterday if he would be interested in reopening phase one of that deal. And he said that he wouldn't be. But there are folks who have talked a lot about phase two of a U.S.-China uh, trade deal. President Trump has talked about wanting to do that. And it does seem that any efforts on that front are largely stalled right now because you can't even uh, get the U.S. and China to agree to much of anything with regard to the coronavirus. So expecting that they are going to get uh, these economic advisors uh, from the Trump administration at the table with Chinese economic officials is really, really unlikely. So, so we've got that as the backdrop. And then when you ask about, you know, these other things that the Trump administration could do, you have to consider that they really can't do much at all right now. And the reason for that is because a lot of the personal protective equipment and medical supplies that the U.S. needs right now are manufactured in China. We are reliant as a country, the United States on China, to be protecting the American people from the coronavirus pandemic. But that doesn't mean that there won't be a day uh, when the U.S. feels like, okay, we have this under control and we can start going after China. So I've talked to U.S. officials who have talked about, you know, um, sanctions on Chinese officials. They've talked about, uh, you know, tweaking trade policies and new tariffs that would benefit the American economy and be tough on China because, you know, the Trump administration thinks they've continually taken advantage of the U.S. So there are things that are being discussed. 
It is odd that we have a president who argued that every other president before him was taken advantage of by China. He was supposed to be the get tough on China president, as you talked about initially. And so by blaming China, isn't he sort of admitting that this was a failure on his watch? He's sort of admitting that China sort of beat America uh, and set America up for all of these deaths on his watch. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's where politics enters squarely into uh, this situation, right? We can't ignore the fact that President Trump is six months out from um, re-election, from the election in November. And when you talk to folks on his challenger's staff, the Vice President Biden, who is his Democratic challenger, they say that it's pretty ironic that Trump is pointing a finger at China right now because of exactly what you just said, Nia, that he has cast himself as this tough on China person. And how did he allow this to happen if he indeed was, you know, calling out China for everything that it was doing wrong in the international space? So there is an interesting challenge that the Trump administration is going to face coming up on this election. And we have seen Trump up his rhetoric, you know, go tougher on President Xi as we get closer to the election and as his administration is under fire for how they handled the outbreak here in the United States. So this is a situation where foreign policy and politics are essentially uh, hand in hand. And that is going to be a big part of the 2020 election over the next few months. And one of the things that President Trump is doing, as well as people like Secretary Pompeo, they're, they're pointing to a Chinese lab and saying that's the source of this virus. What do we know about that? Is that actually true? What is U.S. intelligence saying about that? Yeah, so here's what we know, okay? We know that Wuhan, China is where this virus originated. That was where the first outbreak was. We are now seeing a second wave there, but that is where the virus came from. The question that we still do not know the answer to, and you know, even U.S. officials have said they don't yet know the answer to this, is where exactly the virus began in Wuhan. So was it at one of these wet markets where they sell animals, or was it at this lab where they actually have studied uh, coronaviruses in bats, which is thought to be the origination uh, of this virus? But you're right that Secretary Pompeo has actually put his finger on the pendulum a little bit here and noted that he has seen uh, enormous evidence to back the Wuhan lab theory, that this virus could have come from that Wuhan lab. But we have seen other you know, U.S. officials say they simply don't know exactly where it came from in Wuhan. And we have also seen the international community. I've talked to you know, allies who are part of the Five Eyes Alliance. Those are countries that the U.S. shares intelligence with. They have said that they don't know exactly uh, where this virus originated. It is something that the Trump administration desperately wants to get to the bottom. Now, there is a political reason for this. They think, you know, if they can really be specific about where China went wrong, their argument against China will be stronger. And there is also, you know, a security reason for this. There's a preventative measure to this, right? They argue that American lives were lost. We should get the answer. And they want to be able to prevent uh, future pandemics 
from originating in this way. Yeah, and, and they were also sort of adding to this, there were reports this week that China was attempting to hack U.S. information related to a, a vaccine. And what's your assessment of that? I mean, it's, we're sort of ending where we began, this idea of a possible mm-hmm. a Cold War with China. I think there's no doubt, Nia, that there are Trump administration officials who do think that we are headed towards a Cold War between the U.S. and China. Now, they're not going to publicly come out and say that right now because that isn't to their benefit when they're trying to encourage other countries, you know, to get on board and to be tough on China. But there are a bunch of China hawks in this administration who are indeed uh, not scared of that reality, that the U.S. and China really do need to take one another on and that the U.S. needs to flip its conventional thinking that they can convince China China to be, you know, an active participant uh, internationally in a respectful way and convince them to do that, flip that thinking to say, hey, we need to go after them where they are not doing that. Um, But you're right. There are a lot. uh, There's a lot at stake if they continue to go down that road. Kylie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Tomorrow, a member of the Senate committee hearing Dr. Fauci's testimony today, Democrat Chris Murphy will join us to talk about that hearing. And Thursday, we will dive into the first ever live-streamed Supreme Court arguments. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight. So please, please, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please consider leaving a rating, a good one, or comment, a good one. Uh, It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see y'all tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.